Well, three weeks until autumn is upon us. You know, I really love this time of year. You can kind of see leaves starting to fall and uh, <laughs> cooler nights. I remember growing up in the mountains of Central Oregon, uh, and the summer was not quite over, but you knew this the fall would be there. And then, of course, right after fall, uh, would become winter, and I was really excited about that because I was a ski bum, and, and I knew that when the snow flew, I could go get on the hill with my skis. Uh, you know, nights were getting cooler, days were getting shorter, but still pretty warm. Even in the mountains, you know, you'd get highs in the 70s. Every now and then you'd get the 80s, and maybe once or twice uh, summer you'd get the 90s. Uh, you know, and I always thought, hey, winter's coming. I like winter. Summer's good. Fall's great. I just like this time of year. Uh, hey, this is Tim Patterson. This trade show guy, Monday Morning Coffee for August 31st, 2020. You can find me online at tradeshowguy.net. That's kind of our main site. You can link out to Trade Show Guy exhibits, also Trade Show Guy blog. Uh, you'll find the weekly podcast slash video blog embedded there. You'll find links to our Trade Show Guy webinars site where there are, I don't know, a couple dozen archived webinars over the last uh, several years. Uh, we've done uh, links to my two books as well. It's all right there at tradeshowguy.net. This week on the program, I think we'll jump right in. Uh, I had an interview. I got connected to uh, Jane Gentry of Fusion, a national staffing uh, company that works with trade show exhibitors, retailers, and a whole lot more. I got referred to Jane by last week's guests, Marcus and John at Share Experience. And uh, Jane and I got to talking about all sorts of aspects of how retailers and promoters and exhibitors are, you know, working their way, how they're working their way through the whole COVID situation, which is ongoing and uh, twisting and turning. Uh, we also talked sales a bit, and that was kind of fun because she was uh, like a sales consultant for a long time. Uh, very fun and enlightening conversation. I hope you like it. All right. I've got Jane Gentry of Fusion. Is that right? I want to make sure I get the right name, Fusion, uh, on the uh, trade show guy Monday morning coffee this morning. I really appreciate you spending some time with us, Jane. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate you having me. So we connected through the guys at Share Experience, uh, Marcus and John, who I've had on recently a couple times in the last year. And so I really appreciate the the connection and, and thanks for uh, solidifying it by saying, hey, I'll talk about what I do here on, on this show uh, for what it's worth. So thanks for doing that. So tell me a bit about Fusion and, and how you got to where you are. Obviously, you've been in the industry, the exhibit industry, the, the conference industry for quite some time. Yeah. Um, Fusion is 28 years old. We're a temp staffing agency in the event and retail industries. Um, trade shows is a part of what we do. It's not even the predominant part of our business, but a couple of years ago, we bought a business called J. Williams, J. Williams Agency. J. Williams specialized very much in trade shows. Uh -huh. And so they've become an important part of our um, business. They're now integrated into Fusion. Um, so we provide temp staff from anything from a, um, a facilitator, narrator, lead gatherer at a trade show to somebody who does um, street teams to uh, assisted selling uh, in retail. You might see us in Best Buy, some of our people. Oh, interesting. So we're, hmm. we're pretty diverse. Anywhere, I would say anywhere that a customer meets their, that a brand has to meet their customer uh, we're those people. So do you, this, do you do this nationwide, uh, regionally? Nationwide, nationwide. yeah. So, so you know, the one thing we don't do is we are not granny in the hairnet handing you samples at Costco. <laughs> we're not, we're not those people. But, right. uh, cause our people are usually paid higher than that, right? Because we're representing brands. 
So it's important to them that they're uh, represented well and professionally. So. So they've got to obviously, you know, uh, learn about what they're, they're representing. I actually did that a couple of times about six or eight years ago. I was asked to do it for a temp staffing agency. I went to it, did, did some like uh, Samsung phone stuff and I had to learn a little bit. There about you that go. Sort of thing. So yeah, that type of thing, this is on a low level. Exactly I did it like right. twice and said, you know, I'm, I'm too busy now. I can't do it again. So. Uh, oh, I was going to say, call up our ops guy and get interviewed. <laughs> we do, we do, do videos of uh, video interviews of all of our people. We have about, uh, we have about 15,000 people that work wow. with us in our database. So, yeah. so obviously the, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected every industry in the country. It's interesting though. Some have seen more business as a result, but certainly not in the event trade show slash conference industry. Right. And, and now that you're obviously you mentioned retail, uh, some retail stuff closed. It's, it's regionally different from state to state. Uh, what kind of things have you come across as you you work your way through all of this? Yeah, so at the beginning of March, uh, so we had we had set a growth target of 25% over last year for our company. At the beginning of March, we had already hit 45% of that number. Hmm. So we were killing it. At You're on your way, yeah. Oh, we were so excited. And um, and a lot of that business was longer term. You know, re events are like a pop, a pop, a pop, a pop. Retail can be uh, longer engagements, which is what, uh, you know, as a CEO, what I really like, right? Um, so we were doing really well. And then by mid-March, we had either postponed a majority of that business or lost business. And like most people in this industry, I don't think we build a dollar in um, April, May, June. Yeah. So, um, so it was a little difficult and we started to adjust. I think the way a lot of companies are adjusting, um, one of our clients is a big, a really big retailer and they were about to test virtual reality shopping in 50 markets with us. Okay. Uh, you can imagine how excited people are right now to go into a big store and put a VR headset on their head after somebody else, right? Not going to happen. Probably right? not going to happen too often. Not, yes. mm -mm. So, uh, so they started to rewrite that scope of work for us to represent them virtually in a scenario much like this, right? Hmm. So they know, uh, they said, Jane, we know a thousand gamers who already have the equipment that we have. We can run them through those text, test exper experiences. Uh, can your people be virtual brand ambassadors for us? And we said, absolutely. So that was one area that we moved into a little bit. Um, we tended to stay away from the knee-jerk, hey, let's do virtual events kind of thing that I think a lot of companies are doing. Um, the one thing about John Pugh and Marcus Vale that I'll tell you is those guys get digital, yeah. right? If you understand what I mean. I think that virtual events right now are in what I call the pimply teenager phase. There are a lot of companies that are wanting to do it. They don't realize that you can't just do what you were gonna do live and stick it on a platform and create engagement. So we actually stayed away from that a little bit because first off, it's not our core competency. Uh, and secondly, if we're not going to be outstanding at it, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. Right. right? That makes sense. Yeah. So, so we sat our team down and, and I asked the question, I said, guys, what are our assets? I, forget about what business we're in. 
what are the assets that we have as a company? And then how do those assets solve a, a world problem that's existing right now for businesses? So let's for a second just forget about what we do for a living and let's forget about who our customers are at the moment and just ask ourselves a very basic question. What are the assets that we have as an organization? And you know, every company on the face of the earth, Tim is gonna tell you that their people are their biggest asset. Um, and sometimes that's true and sometimes it isn't. But for us, it is definitely our biggest asset. I mean, it's what we, at the risk of sounding like I'm pimping people out, it's what we sell, right? We sell that's, that's your frontline worker, yeah. This, they represent you and, and they represent yes. the company. That is your asset. Yeah. And so uh, the other asset is that we're nationwide. So we're able to have a reach that a lot of other companies don't have. Uh, last year, we staffed 1,000 Walmart stores for a client on the same day. So our reach is very broad and it's very deep. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, we are great at managing people. We don't just have people, but we're great at getting to the right place, uh, managing on site, man project managing in our office around people. And we think very strategically around people. And so one of the things that had started to happen for us is we were getting calls from labs and they were saying, hey, we're doing this COVID testing and uh, you know, we're getting calls from people that are outside of our little city. Unless you're Quest or LabCorp or you know, CVS, um, you don't have a lot of places for people to go and get COVID testing. And in certain parts of the country, it's even difficult to be, you know, Jane and go get a COVID test because there were uh, not enough tests, right? So these labs were asking to partner with us and have us provide the people on site and then provide the test and then provide the processing of the test and whatever. Hmm, interesting. Um, and then one of our partners said, you know, you don't really even need us, Jane. I mean, your people are skilled enough to nasal swab. You don't have to be a medical professional to do that. You just got to get trained um, in, the, in the process, yeah. You just need to be really well trained and we can do that. And they said, why don't you, I mean, we'll still call you, but you have a, you've got a frontline sales force, hit it. I mean, whatever you can uh, come up with, we'll support you. And so we've set up a process with this lab where uh, we provide a private URL for every one of these clients. Um, so all of the HIPAA requirements are met, all of the information that we need for registration, any kind of waiver, anything that the co company wants to say in terms of how they're positioning testing uh, is on that URL, on that website. Um, we put our people into the city, we send in the computers, the PPE, the test kits, we test them, we send it to the lab, the results are back in 48 hours. And so, um, so that seemed, I mean, that was a logical transition and it really leverages what our assets are right. and what the need is in the, the people and the, the, the reach that you guys have. Yeah. And right. obviously these people are all trainable. They, they can learn how to do these things, but I bet you never thought six months ago, you'd be doing any of that. No. And the other thing that I think makes it such a perfect fit for us is it is, um, it's not so much in, in my opinion. Now, other CEOs that are hiring us might feel differently about this, but I don't think this is a health initiative. 
once a person's in your facility and they have COVID, it, it's in there. We're testing with us is not going to prevent COVID from getting into your facility, right? Um, for me, it's a wellness initiative, it's a culture initiative, and it's an internal brand initiative. Because I've had CEOs say to me, our folks tell me that I don't care about their health. And, um, you know, one of these gentlemen that was talking to me about doing testing, he was one of the reasons I want to do this is my people need to know, I do care about them. We, we do as an organization care about their wellness, right? And so from an internal brand perspective and from a culture building perspective, I think this is even more powerful than it is as a wellness um, initiative. Yeah, and you're That's providing information, accurate information that opinion. gives them a, a way to answer questions when they come up. Yes, we test and here's right. what we found. You know, we have this yeah. data that we can share with you, which... Uh, and so these are not our typical customer. So we've had to get creative about how to reach out to these folks because our typical client database is, is not in general probably hiring for this. Um, some of our clients are selling it and using us, right? right. But um, um, it's, it's a consistent kind of a business. We're, we're, we're doing 23 distribution centers for an auto manufacturer. Hmm. on a regular cadence. So are we going to be doing this five years from now? I don't yeah, know. I was going to say how far into the future can you see? I mean, we I don't know. I think people calling we us for months maybe, but, uh, Oh, definitely you know. into probably the first half of next year. I've had yeah. some event uh, managers call and not event managers like, um, uh, you know, meeting, uh, organizations that are putting meetings on and they're like, you know, I'm looking for next year. Can you run 500 people? Can you do this? Can you do that? So people are thinking ahead about it. Um, I don't know if it's a long-term play for us after the pandemic, yeah. but, I, but I will say this, you know, my responsibility is to my employees. Um, and to my customers, but in, in this situation, we didn't have any customers, right? So my obligation is to my employees. And so what I need to do is whatever it takes to put my people to work. Right, and um, this sounds like a really a, a good good opportunity and, and you go with it when you can. As as a old friend of mine says, you know, you, you, you farm when the hay's up or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I think the virtual uh, brand ambassador play is going to last a lot longer than the COVID play. We're starting, you know, as companies start to figure this out um, and retailers, for example, we, we provide a service to retailers, to brands that are selling in retail called training and advocacy. So if you go to Best Buy uh, in the Magnolia store where they sell electronics, those salespeople have a lot of things that they could sell. And one of our clients is a high-end audio brand in the Magnolia store in Best Buy. And so what we do for them is we hit Best Buys on a regular cadence and we train those salespeople how to send, sell this product and we advocate for our client, right? Here are the spiffs for selling our product over another product. Here's, here's why you should sell this product over another product. So we are constantly in that retailer for the benefit of our client, um, advocating for their product. Well, I think that that is a play that will go somewhat virtual after this right. also. 
And I know that uh, shows will come back at some point. Uh, you know, oh, for sure. just kind of looking at the first half of 2021, I know that CES, for instance, the big show in Vegas is, is not happening. That's, that's going to be virtual. <laughs> Expo so West, which is fun, what, yeah. what a lot of clients we have at, uh, in, in early March, it's still on the schedule for, this is eight weeks later, uh, for Anaheim. Um, I'm curious to see if that stays or not, uh, if they do a virtual thing as well. Because I think that right now is on the bubble. I don't know. <laughs> it depends on how things go. Well, I know, I, you know, the, my opinion is worth um, not much. But I, I hope that these shows will make an effort uh, to engage people in the industry, to leverage the expertise that is here, to start examining ways to host some of these conferences safely, right? And I, I, I'm was so disappointed in CES because they're yeah. a leader and people are going to follow them. Um, but if you think about the event that just happened in Florida with our, with our industry peers who were down right. there trying to ex explore ways to hold safe conferences. But together again. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't think you have to go all in or all out. I think there's a, a medium play for the short term that I hope these, um, conference organizers will explore. And, and we had one of the uh, folks that I work with up at Classy Exhibits in Portland was at that show and we talked about it uh, right after the show. And, and one of the you know thought, things we, we kind of talked through was that that was a small show, relatively speaking. How, it's much bigger when you have 100,000 people uh, mm -hmm. and, and 5,000 exhibitors versus 200 exhibitors and 1,500 people. It's, it's a scale, it's, it's a lot harder to deal with. And so you can't, you can't say they did the right or the wrong thing. And I know from the press release that CES put out, it was a hard choice. In fact, it cost them more to, to do it virtually than to do it. Uh, I have person. no doubt. So, yeah. I have no so doubt. Curious to see how the other shows, the bigger shows that start to, to line up after that go in the first half of, of 2021. Well, there's a lot of creativity in this industry to yeah. harness. <laughs> it's, it's really You're interesting reaching to out see. To yeah. people, there's a lot of creativity in this industry. So I do want to ask you a question because we were in the green room and you mentioned you did sales consulting for 20 years. What advice do you give salespeople on, a, on this, in this situation? What kind of things do you advise them to do, how they work through, uh, you know, the, the new normal, as they say? Yeah. So I've, um, I, I've shared three things with our, with our salespeople. One is I have been trying to get salespeople to use zoom for half a dozen years. Right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, relationship building happens so much more quickly face-to-face. -face. And if you think about what you, now that everybody's on Zoom, right? What have you learned about uh, being on Zoom? Other than people have Zoom fatigue, but how many meetings have you gotten on with somebody where they're sweaty from, I just got in from my workout, or their dog <laughs> is barking in the background, or their kid walks in in their diaper, right? And while it seems... Um, uh, sometimes a little intrusive and unprofessional. What's the other thing that it does? It personalizes. It breaks down those walls yeah. very quickly, right? Yeah. And so relationships are built so much more quickly face-to-face. -face. So leverage Zoom. Don't be afraid of Zoom. Our salespeople used to say to me, oh, I don't like what I look like on Zoom. I don't care. <laughs> this isn't about you, right? I don't right. care. Yeah, your dog uh, so will bark. Don't worry about it. You, yeah, you yeah. Look, yeah, right. You know, do what you got to do. Go get a makeover or whatever. But this is this is a way to build relationships with people in a way that you cannot do on the telephone. It's just not the same. Yeah. So that's the first thing. First thing. Um, and we're in a face-to-face -face industry. Come on, uh, we should want to be face-to-face -face with our customers as much as possible. 
The second thing that I've been telling them is, this is the time to focus on relationship building. Call your clients, check in on them, not with an agenda. Um, there, you know, there's nothing, there's no budget, there's nothing that they're gonna buy from you, but that doesn't mean that you ignore them. This is the time to connect with them um, and build relationships. We've had some clients who've lost their jobs. Yeah. Um, we're helping them network. So, you know, what do you think that does for the next place that they go? We, we are garnering a new client because we are investing in them right now when there's nothing they can do for us. Showing you the best you can that you care. That's right. Yeah. Right. We're in the relationship business. So don't be afraid to call people and just say, I'm just checking on you. Or, you know, I've told salespeople for years, try to always add something of value. And... There were a hundred things that that could be. It could be an article. I remember a client years ago who I could never get him because he's always busy. Uh, and I read an article on rust out uh, that just sounded a hundred percent like him. It wasn't burnout. It was rust out. And I sent him this email and I said, this is your reading for your next plane trip. And as soon as he got off that plane, we were having a phone conversation about That's that fine. article. It had That's nothing fine. to do about what I sell uh, you know, or anything that he could do for me. It was just something that I was thinking about relative to how he was living his life or what he was going through in his own experience. So, so get, to, about, get to know them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Think about those ways that you can add value to your customers right now that, that aren't about what you sell. Um, and then um, the third thing is uh, I like, to, I like to teach salespeople to sell in a particular way, okay? And that is typically what salespeople do is they go, Tim, nice to meet you. I'm Jane Gentry. I'd like that $100,000 booth that you have. <laughs> you don't know me, you know? You don't know anything about me. Can I have $100,000 from you, right? And um, I prefer the, a, a different approach, which is we like to give first to a client. Uh, what is something small? You know, I, it has, I, I tell salespeople, which have three requirements. One, it's easy for me to give. Two, it's valuable to the client, whether we work together or not. And three, if I'm smart about what I give, it's moving our relationship forward, right? So, um, it might be a um, calculator of some kind. It might be a white paper that you don't give to everybody. It might be relationships that you have. I happen to be a really big connector of people. Uh, one of the things that I give a lot is a connection to somebody that I know that would add value to this person. Right. It might be an hour of consulting time. Uh, now it's not eight hours of consulting time. That would be that would be foolish, right? That would not meet the first requirement. Um, but I like us to give first in a relationship and um, have some skin in the game, and then look for a small engagement where we can prove out uh, how it is to work with us. And then we go for the hundred thousand dollars. It's so yes, much easier right. to get, right? Because they've said yes two times already before I ask them for a hundred thousand right. dollars. They will at least consider you and go to bat for you when it comes to dealing with their internal problems. So what we're, yeah. we're we're encouraging our salespeople to do is to tell clients, this is the time to innovate when things are slow. This is the time to pilot ideas 
that you were thinking about, but you were too busy to do it because you were doing all your day-to-day -day work that was happening in January and February. This is a time to take a little amount of money, not your huge budget, but some money that you might be able to find to pilot an idea. And so whatever the businesses of your viewers, how, how does that relate to what you do? So for us, it's very simple to say, hey, we, we could pilot this in 10 stores or we could pilot this idea uh, you know, with 50 virtual encounters. Um, but it's a small ask of a client that could have high value for them and for you. Yeah. We could go on a long time, Jane. This is a fun conversation. Uh, I do appreciate you spending time. The company is Fusion and uh, all over the country, uh, although you're in Atlanta, is that correct? Uh, how's the best place to find you online? You can um, find me at Jane M. Gentry on LinkedIn. Okay. You can find us at Experience fusion.live and um, my email is jane at experiencefusion.live we're we're everywhere we're on facebook we're, we're <laughs> it's been fun learning about what you do and, and how you guys are dealing with uh, the interesting situation we have going on thanks again jane i appreciate your time. i appreciate you hey thanks again to jane gentry of fusion for spending some time here on trade show guy monday morning coffee really appreciate it jane you'll find links to uh, fusion in the uh, show notes at tradeshowguyblog.com. Before wrapping up, uh, this week's one good thing. You know, every week I try and find something which I want to share, which I like. It could be anything, really. Uh, this week, I'm actually going to say Twitter is one good thing. And you may say, Twitter? Really? <laughs> uh, Twitter is a mess. Twitter is crazy. Twitter, Twitter's got everything. Uh, when you scroll through Twitter, though, uh, you, you just run across every aspect of humankind that's out there. You get exposed to... Uh, heartfelt stuff. You get exposed to nutty stuff. You get exposed to kind of the worst of people, although it's pretty easy to avoid that if you want to. You get breaking news. Like, I get breaking news on Twitter faster than any other platform. Uh, you know, even though I subscribe to New York Times and Washington Post and uh, Facebook, of course, has always got the, the latest stuff there. But it seems like Twitter, to me, is where things jump first. Um, and I tend to spend more time on Twitter than anywhere else, just kind of seeing what's going on in the world around the world, uh, seeing, and I, there's a bunch of people that I follow that I really like that are very active that just kind of bring a smile to my day with the way they look at things. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. So that's, uh, this week's one good thing. Uh, remember, uh, check us out at tradeshowguy.net. I'm Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday morning coffee. Have yourself a great week. Uh, join me again next Monday. We'll do it all over.